0: All right, good afternoon. Take your Bibles with me and turn to the book of 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy and chapter number one. very grateful to be able to preach to you this afternoon and excited to be in our our afternoon service, our family service. You know, one of the greatest uh, challenges as a preacher is to preach to a wide range of audiences. And here in this service, we kind of have an extreme of this. We have some of the youngest of our young, and we have some of the, I say this very kindly, the the elderly folk of our church, right? And so we have quite a, a wide range of ages and perspectives here in this service. But you know, in our Sunday afternoon service, that is absolutely by design. That is on purpose because we want a place where families can come and worship the Lord together, learn from the word together, grow together, be discipled together. And that's the whole purpose behind our Sunday afternoon service, a a service where grandparents and grandchild can be encouraged and equipped by the same message. You know, in the world, the church world as a whole, The generational gap, the fact that our church is made up of many different generations, at times has been a source of frustration and not a source of joy or celebration. We ought to celebrate and be thankful that here in this service there are many different generations represented. But at times in the church world, that can become a source of friction or a source of difference or a source of frustration. Because as new generations come, culture changes and preferences changes and style changes and sometimes that's difficult for an older generation or sometimes it's difficult for a newer generation. Maybe you've had these conversations around the family lunch table and you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? However... Built into the Great Commission, which Pastor Owens mentioned this morning, the idea of taking the gospel to the whole world is not just that a church would be a multicultural place, that we would teach all nations, but also built in there is the idea that the church would be a multi-generational place. If we're going to teach all people and our faith will continue from generation to generation it means that a healthy church will always have many generations represented growing serving equipped and trained all in the same place and so we celebrate that this morning a healthy church is or this afternoon a healthy church is made up of many generations working toward a common goal the glory of god and the advancement of the gospel here in the church so This afternoon, as I was preparing this week and thinking about the service and who would be in this service and what was I going to preach following Pastor Holland's great series on a New Year's prayer, I began to think about the scriptures and think, man, what what could I share that would be applicable for for the youngest in the room and would also be a challenge for the oldest in the room? And I was kind of drawn to this passage here in 2 Timothy. I believe this passage, maybe more than any other passage in the scripture, is one that will challenge parents and grandparents, young adults young married couples, teenagers, and even if you listen well, even the children. Okay, so that's the goal for this afternoon. So let's look together in 2 Timothy. The title of my message this afternoon is Bridging the Gap, Principles for Multi-Generational Ministry. What can we learn about ministering together as multiple generations? So let's look together at 2 Timothy and look at verse number one. The Bible says this, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, According to the promise of life which is in Christ Jesus to Timothy my dearly beloved son grace mercy and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience that without ceasing ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day greatly desiring to see thee being mindful of thy tears that I may be filled with joy When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Be not thou thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, But be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Let's pray this afternoon. Father, we're grateful for the chance to open up your word. And as we heard this morning, Lord, I pray that your spirit would speak to our hearts, Lord. We don't want to just go through the motions. I ask that you'd meet with us. Lord, I pray you challenge every heart here today from your word, from from the eldest to the youngest, that we would learn principles as a church, how to work together across generations to continue the work of the gospel here at Bible Baptist Church and in St. Thomas. And Lord, we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. The Apostle Paul wrote this letter of 2 Timothy, and it was addressed to young Timothy, a pastor, and uh, most people believe that Timothy is kind of in his mid-30s at this this time. I heard somebody say maybe between 30 and 35 or 36 years old. Paul first met Timothy when traveling through Lystra on one of his missionary journeys, and he had heard about this young man, Timothy, who had a great testimony of faith, And Paul began a relationship with young Timothy, and actually the relationship grew so much that when Paul left Lystra, Timothy went with him. And young Timothy began to travel with Paul as a companion, and they began to serve together and built this great relationship in the faith. Now at this point, Timothy has now uh, been established and set up by Paul to be the pastor of the church at Ephesus. Ephesus. And so uh, from the time of the first letter to the time of the second letter of Timothy, there's probably about three or four years that have gone by, and it's been a number of years since Paul has seen Timothy face to face. So Timothy has been there faithfully serving in the pastorate. Paul writes this letter from a Roman jail. And it's important for us to know that 2 Timothy, chronologically, is the last letter of Paul's that we have in the Scripture. Not to say he didn't write other, other letters after this, but this is the last one that we have as a part of, of the scriptures. And so Paul is, is facing not only imprisonment, but he's also facing and very aware of the fact that he's facing his death. He's been put in prison for preaching and for, for ministering the gospel, and, and his execution is, is very soon, and he knows this. He's very aware of this. And so he writes to the young pastor, Timothy, in, in emphasis, and his whole thrust of the message is the letter is this, hey, hey, be faithful, Timothy. Hey, be courageous, stand strong, continue in the work that you're doing. And so perhaps today, this afternoon, you find yourself a little closer in in the, the journey of your life to the Apostle Paul. Maybe you're approaching the fourth quarter of your life, okay? Or maybe you're a little younger, you know? Maybe you're a little closer to Timothy or even younger, Either way, I think there's some really, really valuable principles we can learn in this text about how to navigate the generational gap and how we as a church family can serve together across generations to continue the work of the gospel. So, I'm going to start with the older generation. Now, I don't want anyone to turn me off. Everyone listen, but I'm going to start with the older generation, and only because that's how the Bible starts, okay? So, we're just going to follow the text of the Bible, and I'm going to look through four principles for older people to pass their faith on through the generations. And then we're gonna look at four principles for younger people. So if you're getting frustrated, like, wow, he's really, really just hammering on us old folks, just wait, we'll get to the younger people, I promise, right? So we're gonna go four and four, I won't be long, we're gonna keep moving through through the text this morning, all right, or this afternoon. So, how can older people, an older generation in the church pass on their faith to a younger generation? Number one, I want you to see, to build relationships. Build relationships. Paul begins his letters the way he often did. However, very different than how we would begin a letter. If I was going to write a letter, I would say, dear, and address it to the person I was sending it. But Paul would actually begin by saying who was writing the letter. I would usually finish that way, right? Uh, With love from Levi. But Paul begins his letters by saying, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life which is in Christ Jesus. And then in verse 2, now he tells us who he's writing to. I want you to notice with me, he says, To Timothy, my dearly beloved son. Now we know from scripture that Paul is not Timothy's dad, there's no blood relationship there. But Paul, when thinking of young Timothy, he says, To Timothy, my dearly beloved son. You see, they had such a relationship in serving together and working together in the gospel that it was a, a family relationship in nature. There was a real love there. The Apostle Paul often played the role of father in in, in people that he was ministering to. I love the verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Uh, If you know the book of 1 Corinthians, you know it's a pretty tough letter. And Paul kind of is ripping the Corinthian church a little bit. There's a lot of things going wrong. And he tells them in chapter 4, he's like, look, I'm not coming down on you. I'm not criticizing you because I hate you or because I'm a jerk. I'm criticizing you because I'm a father who loves you. He says this in verse, uh, chapter 4 and verse 15 of 1 Corinthians. He says, For though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, you have not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. He's like, hey, you have all kinds of preachers and teachers, but you don't have many spiritual fathers. But I, be, I, I begot you in the gospel. I became your spiritual father. That's the kind of relationship that we had. You know, it's important for us to notice this morning, or this afternoon, I keep saying that, this afternoon. It's afternoon, right? Yeah, we're good. <laughs> it's important for us to notice this afternoon. The term father, the term son, it doesn't just speak to authority. It does speak to authority. Children, your parents are your God-given authority, Right? But it speaks so much more than just authority. It speaks to relationship. He said, hey, Timothy, my dearly beloved son, I wonder, church family, older generation, who are you building a relationship with for the purpose of mentoring and passing on your faith? Who in this church would you say is dearly beloved to you? Now, look, I I know we have some, some parents and some grandparents in the room, and I absolutely believe you have a responsibility to disciple your own family. But you know what there's some people in our church maybe here sitting in this room that they don't they don't have Christian parents and grandparents that disciple them Or maybe you're a a grandparent who has faithfully raised your kids and, man, they're up out of the house and they don't live in this area anymore. I mean, you've done well. You raised them in the things of the Lord and they're off doing their own thing and and you now have the time and opportunity that you could be looking for, for children and young people and young adults in this church who are looking for spiritual mothers and fathers, who are looking for some sort of mentorship. And maybe you could take on the role of investing and building relationships with them. So I wonder, who are you building relationships with for the purpose of passing on your faith to the next generation? So number one, build relationships. Number two, I want you to notice as an older generation, be encouraging, be encouraging. Look at verse number three. How does it start? Paul says, I thank God, whom I serve from my forefathers with a pure conscience, that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day. How about this? Greatly desiring to see thee being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy. Paul is encouraging Timothy. The last time, we don't really know totally, but but no doubt, either the last time they had uh, seen each other, Timothy had some tears, or perhaps Paul has heard stories that as Timothy's pastoring, man, he's going through some difficult things. He's he's heard about Timothy's tears. He knows he's struggling, and he's like, oh, Timothy, man, I, I, I want you to know that I thank God for you. I can't wait. I I want to see you so that my joy can be filled. I'm so joyful when I think about what God's doing through your life. I think it's so important. This sets the tone for the nature of their relationship. Now, later in this, this, this letter, is Paul going to warn Timothy? Absolutely. Is Paul going to rebuke Timothy? Absolutely. Is Paul going to charge Timothy? Absolutely. But he starts off by saying, Timothy, I thank God for you. Man, I'm encouraged every time I, I pray for you every single day. I want to be with you. I thank God for what he's doing. And I think sometimes a, a generation ahead, and this could be you know, an older generation, this could just be my generation looking at the teenagers and the younger kids behind us. We can sometimes get frustrated by them and think, man, they, they don't see it. They don't see the error of their ways or uh, they don't have it as hard as we had. It. We can get frustrated and we can want to encourage them. Or we can want to warn them. We can want to charge them. And those are all important things. But notice how Paul begins that relationship. He says, hey, hey, Timothy, I'm thanking God for you. He's encouraging the younger generation. And so I want to encourage you, church family, who are you encouraging in their faith? Who are you going up to and saying, hey, you know what? I thank God that you're at church today. Man, I know you're younger, I know you're in school, I know you're in the workforce, I know you're a young parent, but can I tell you, seeing you raise your kids in church, it does my heart well. I pray for you, I I rejoice that you're here. Man, I thank God for you, younger generation, that you're, you're continuing in the work of the Lord. Who are you encouraging in their faith? I want you to notice number three, and we've mentioned it already, don't just be encouraging, be a prayer warrior. Be a prayer warrior. Paul says, without ceasing, I have remembrance of thee in my prayers day and night there is incredible value in praying for the next generation parents can i speak to you for a moment can you honestly say that you pray for your children every single day day and night grandparents can you say that you pray for your children your grandchildren day and night paul paul could you know As a youth pastor here at the church, I work with the young adults. I work with the next generation. The greatest thing you could do to help uh, our family and our church as we try to support discipleship in the next generation, the greatest thing you could do is to commit to pray for our young people every single day. Paul says, I pray for you every day. I remember you day and night in my prayers. Maybe you feel like you're getting older, you know. You don't speak the language of the kids these days. Maybe even your mobility is is lacking, and you feel like the older you get, the more you feel disconnected from the next generation. And I know that that's true, and I I empathize with you. And there there may become a day where perhaps that that gap seems to be growing and growing and growing, and you may feel like, I just don't know how I can connect with these young people. I don't know how I can pour into these young people. Can I encourage you one thing you can always do is to pray for them? Always. Growing up in, in Hamilton, uh, I had a, not a lot of my family was right in the Hamilton area, but I had uh, one member of my extended family that was really special to us. My grandpa was one of four boys, and two of his brothers were unable to have children. And so we sort of had these uh, adopted grandparents, our great uncles and great aunts who didn't have any children. We kind of had an extra couple set of grandparents. And one of those uh, grandparents or great uncles and aunts to us is Uncle Fred and Auntie Faye. Uncle Fred and Auntie Faye, and they lived in the Hamilton area my whole life. They still do. And they live just kind of on the other side of town. And I was thinking about them this week. We actually would always get together on Valentine's Day with our families, and so it's kind of special for us. You know, Auntie Faye and Uncle Fred have been very involved in our lives. Still to this day, Aloma can testify to this, every time we have a birthday, every anniversary, we receive a card from Uncle Fred and Auntie Faye. And not just like a card, but like a handwritten note of what they're praying for us and how they're thinking of us. And they never missed one, and it's never late. It's always on time. And you know what? I'll be honest with you this morning, church. I wish I I would do a better job of staying connected with Uncle Fred and Auntie Faye. I really do. You know, I try to call them every once in a while. I wish I could see them more often. But as we get older, we move to St. Thomas, you know, life kind of draws us apart. But you know what one thing I can say about my Uncle Fred and Auntie Fay, And I know their character, I know their testimony, I know this is true. They have prayed for me every day of my life. Since the day I was born, they have prayed for me every day of my life. And I may not see them, and we may feel disconnected compared to when I was growing up as a kid, but do you know how special it is for me to know somebody prays for me every single day? The impact they've had in my life. I can't imagine to think of where I might be were it not for their intercessory prayers in my life. And you may feel like, I don't know how I could impact this next generation. You can pray for them. They may not see it now. They might not appreciate it now, but I promise you there'll come a day where they're like, wow, somebody pray for me every single day. So be a prayer warrior. And the last one, older generation, can I encourage you, be real. Be real. Paul says, Timothy, In verse 5, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that is in thee also. Paul uses that word unfeigned. It means real, genuine, without hypocrisy. He's like, hey Timothy, I've seen a real genuine faith in you, but it didn't start with you. I saw it first in your grandma, and I saw it in your mom, and now I see it in you. You see, Timothy had a heritage of faith. And not just like a talk about it faith but like a live it out kind of faith timothy saw some godly women in his life even though he didn't have a strong father figure from what we understand until paul shows up he saw some godly women who were willing to live out a real and genuine faith in front of him and pass down a legacy and a heritage of faith you notice that timothy didn't inherit a perfect faith he inherited a real faith a genuine faith you don't have to be perfect But we do ask that you be real. Do your kids, do your grandkids, do they see that the person you are on Sunday is the person you are on Monday? Do they see that the faith that you have in private is the same as the faith you have in public? Do they see a real faith in you? I just encourage you to be real. Pass on a legacy of genuine, real faith. So, older generation, can I encourage you with four things? Build relationships, be encouraging, be a prayer warrior, and be real. Younger generation, it's our turn. You ready? Number one, let's, let's change our focus. Verse number six. Actually, start, staying in verse five, sorry. Don't forget your heritage. Younger generation, don't forget your heritage. You notice how the verse begins. He says, Timothy, when I call to remembrance... He's like, hey, don't forget, I'm reminding myself and I'm reminding you of the faith that's been passed down from generation. Don't forget the heritage that's been given to you. Don't forget the foundation that's been laid in your life, Timothy, a foundation of real genuine faith. If you can sit here today and say that someone in your life, a parent or a grandparent, has passed on a heritage of faith for you, man, you ought to be able to praise the Lord for that. Don't forget that. And maybe you're here today and you're like you know pastor levi i didn't have parents or grandparents who were christians who passed on a heritage of faith can i encourage you something with something we are a church family and this church has a heritage of faith and maybe you're newer to this church, can I encourage you, get to know the heritage of faith of this church. Get to know some of the senior saints who have sacrificed and been faithful for years and years and years. Next time Pastor Stone and Ruthie are here, sit them down and talk to them about what it was like to come here when there was 13 people and how they gave their lives and knocked on doors and God began to do something. And talk to Pastor Holland and ask Brian Veldehuizen about uh, laying bricks and building this building. And talk to Pastor Yeomans about when uh, him and Beth first came here and began to serve. I mean, get to know the history and the heritage of this church. You may not have a personal, a physical family of heritage of faith, but, but we have a spiritual heritage. We got to get to know it. We got to be thankful for it. Now, are we going to build upon it? Absolutely. Are we going to continue to grow and, and move forward? Absolutely. But are we going to neglect and forget about our past? God forbid. Let's remember the heritage of faith that we've been given. Number two, don't, don't forget your heritage. Number two, don't neglect your gift. This, I believe, is really Paul's main idea when he writes to Timothy. He's like, hey, Timothy, stir up the gift. Look at verse number six. He says, wherefore, and here's that phrase again, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee, by the putting on of my hands. He's like, hey, Timothy, I've recognized, by, by ordination, by the laying on of the hands, I've recognized God's gifting in your life. He said, like, God's gifted you in a great way. You have spiritual gifts. He's like, Timothy, stir them up. You know what that phrase means? It means fan the flame. Don't let the fire go out. Pastor Yeomans preached this morning about being connected to the source. And if if you're here today and you have a testimony of faith, you have the Holy Spirit living within you, then you are gifted. God has given you a gift to use. And can I encourage you young people, next generation, don't neglect the gift. Use your gift. Develop your gift. Stir up your gift. How are you serving? How are you using the gifts that God has given you? I'm not going to spend a lot of time here because Pastor this whole year is going to go through purpose and finding our purpose. So I'm not going to get ahead of ourselves. But I just want to ask you very simply, how are you using your God-given gifts? How are you using your spiritual gifts? I believe some some in this room are squandering their spiritual gifts. They're letting the fire go out because they're sitting on them. They're not using them. They're not fanning the flame. Maybe they're just down to a few coal embers or barely even sparks. I encourage you to use them, develop them, grow your gifts. Don't neglect the gifts of the Spirit. God gave them to you for your own fulfillment, for the development and health of the body of Christ, and for the advancement of the kingdom of God. Use them. Number three, younger generation, don't be afraid. Now here's a a very famous verse. No doubt you probably heard it during COVID a lot, right? It's a great verse. It's one we can claim to. God has not given us the spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind. That's a great verse. But it's important for us to recognize that in its context, this verse is talking about the use of our spiritual gifts. Paul's like, Timothy, don't be afraid to stand up and to use your gifts. Don't be afraid to do something great for the cause of Christ. God's not given us a spirit of fear. He's given us a spirit of power and of love and of sound mind, which means discipline and self-control. I want you to consider the context and how powerful this would be For Timothy to be looking at Paul. Now, Paul is Timothy's mentor. He has followed him in the faith. And he is now realizing that following Paul means following Paul all the way to a Roman prison and eventually to his own death, right? Timothy's like, oh, follow Paul as he follows Christ. Yikes. I don't like the way that this story ends. And here's Paul facing his death and he's writing to Timothy. If there's ever a time to be like, hey, Timothy, you might want to keep it quiet a little bit, right? You might want to just take it easy on using your gifts for a minute because if you use your gifts, if you fan the flame, I mean, you might go to prison and you might die like me. But here's Paul at the end of his life in a prison saying, Timothy, I'm going to die for my faith and it's worth it. Don't keep it quiet, man. Fan the flame. Don't be afraid. God's not given us a spirit of fear. He's given us a spirit of power and of love and a sound mind. Discipline yourself to use your gift. Serve the Lord with love. Serve others with love and the power of the Holy Spirit you guys know something about fire? It's noticeable. It draws a crowd. When you're lost, you can start a fire in the smoke or light a flare so others can find you. And if there's ever a time where Timothy would be tempted to keep his gift quiet, to be quiet about the gospel, and Paul's like, no, no, no Timothy, fan the flame, man. Get that fire going. Light a flare. Let everybody know it's worth it to live for Jesus. Don't be afraid. Serve God with the power of his spirit. Serve God and others in love and discipline yourself to use your gifts. It's worth it. And that leads us right to our last point. He says, Timothy, don't be afraid. And Timothy, don't be ashamed. Look at verse number 8 with me. It says, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Paul tells Timothy, Tim, I think he maybe called him Tim once in a while, right? Tim, in the day when your faith is tested and tried, when the day comes where you have to face consequences for standing up and being faithful to the cause of Christ and the, the gospel, he's like, don't be ashamed of the work of the gospel. Don't be ashamed of Jesus. And I like how he throws it in. He's like, and don't be ashamed of your relationship with me either. <laughs> he's like, don't be ashamed to know me. I know I'm in prison. Hey, it's worth it. Stand up. Live your life out loud for Jesus. Don't be ashamed, but rather be willing to be a partaker of the sufferings of the gospel. Man, I was thinking this week, I'm like, would I be willing? We like to think we would, right? We all like to think that if the house is on fire, we'd rush in and save our, we all like to think that in that moment we would be the hero. But you don't really know until you've been put in the moment. So I, I kind of stop and think, would I, if I, if I had to stand up and and I was going to face imprisonment and death for my faith, for preaching the gospel, would I be ashamed of the gospel or would I stand up? You think, I don't know if I could do it. And I love what Paul says. He says this. He says, Be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. He's like, Timothy, it's not in your own strength. If it's up to you, you won't be able to do it. You will faint. The arm of flesh will fail you, but God's power will support you and help you to stand strong and to not be ashamed of the gospel. And so young, younger generation, can I encourage you with these four things? Can I encourage you, don't forget your heritage? Can I encourage you, don't neglect your gift? Can I encourage you, don't be afraid and don't be ashamed and so if we have an older generation who's building relationships and being prayer warriors and being encouraging, and if we have an, a younger generation who's not forgetting their heritage and, and they're, they're stirring up and fanning the flames of their God-given gifts and they're not uh, serving or living in fear, but they're serving out of power and love and of a sound mind and they're not ashamed of the testimony of our Lord Jesus Christ and the gospel will continue and the church will grow and we could be a church that's multi-generational all of us working together for the cause of the gospel and the furtherance of it here in St. Thomas. You know, it's been said that success doesn't happen without succession. Success doesn't happen without succession. And the success of our church and the gospel ministry here in St. Thomas won't be measured in the next year or two years or five years. It'll be measured in the years to come, the decades and generations to come, It'll be measured in how well can we pass on the heritage of faith that's been invested and passed on to us. I had a professor at Bible college who used to say, faithfulness is not measured in years. It's measured in decades. And the same is true of our church. A successful church looks like generations and generations to come, serving the Lord and walking in the foundations and the heritage of the gospel that has been passed on to us. And so I encourage all of us today, If we're a little older, can we find someone younger to mentor in the faith? Can we demonstrate a real faith? Can we pray for them? Will we? And younger people, can I encourage you, don't neglect your gift. Stand up, serve the Lord, live a life unashamed of the gospel so that we together can serve multiple generations together in harmony for the sake of the gospel here in St. Thomas. Let's have our heads bowed and our eyes closed.